Hello there. This is Benny. And this is Kyle. And you're listening to The Doctor's Watcher. The podcast where I watch Doctor Who and then I tell Benny about it and you can all listen too. But we're telling you about it too, listeners, because <laughs> we love you. It's true. <laughs> you're just not here to talk to us yet, but you're always welcome to talk to us on Twitter and via email. Benny is the only listener that I see on our video chat while we record, but he is, <laughs> he is far from the only listener. Oh, uh, yes. And we're, we're grateful for each and every one of you. Indeed. In fact, I actually wanted to give a shout out to a, a subsection of our listeners today. Uh, as I'm sure you know, Benny, I often look at our download statistics and whatnot, and mm-hmm. Based on what I see there, it seems like we usually have like at least one or two people working their way through the backlog. <laughs> so I wanted to give a special shout out to the backloggers. So yeah, uh, if you're listening to this episode like several weeks or months after it came out and you're just getting to it now, then awesome. Shout out to you. Let us know like how you found the pod and, and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, you know, every time a new episode comes out, like today we're actually recording um, on a Saturday when we dropped a new episode. Um, and so, you know, sometimes people will IM us or whatever and, and start talking to us about what happened in the episode that just came out. But we love to talk about Doctor Who regardless <laughs> of when that episode was. So if you want to be like, oh, man, remember that awesome scene in, you know, season one and Marco Polo or whatever? We'll be like, heck, yeah. <laughs> or we'll be like, no, I don't remember. Can you remind me? Uh-huh. But we're still happy to talk about it. <laughs> There's actually like new, new Doctor Doctor Who that is out at the moment, but I haven't watched it yet, so I don't have anything to say. Yeah, it'll be a while before we get to that <laughs> one. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. I for for each new Doctor that's come out, um, I've seen fewer and fewer episodes of theirs. Um I've managed to keep up with all of them other than like the the very most recent new episodes, but after I started watching and then got caught up to like whatever the then current stuff was, then like I've been watching it later and later, you know, it comes out and I don't get to it for a while. That's fair. It's tough to to keep up with this stuff. Cool. So should we get to today's episode? Indeed. This is the 17th episode of season two, the Zarbi. The Zarbi. Yes, finally, we get to find out what the Zarbi is or are. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Cool. Do you recall? Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was about to, yeah, I, I, I suspect you're about to ask me if I recall the clip thing. <laughs> and it's, it's been a while. This is one of those episodes um, that, uh, you know, the, the first one that we record. So it's the one that I actually have to like try extra hard to remember everything that was going on last time. And it's actually been a while since I, I did the, the rough pass edit too. Um, and on top of that, uh, and I am stalling, I'll, I'll admit it, but on top of that, <laughs> there were quite a few things going on, quite a few cliffs that were being dangled from. Um, yeah, I actually noted a couple of cliff danglers in my notes. 
So we've got Barbara, who is space zombified right now, or you know seems to be right. having trouble controlling herself. She's standing on the brink of like a pool of acid, um, and possibly about to just walk right into it. We don't know. Um, Vicky is in the TARDIS, which just seems to have left on its own. Um, we don't know why. And Ian is caught in some sort of net or probably web, this being the, the web <laughs> planet after all, um, uh-huh. very on brand. Um, and the doctor, I think, is trying to, to see what he can do about that. But things, I'm not, I don't think that the doctor is necessarily in any immediate danger himself, that at least that I can recall. But he's with Ian, or I think he is. <laughs> and Ian he... is, is caught. He was with Ian, and then he went to... He tried to return to the TARDIS, basically, to find something to help Ian, but, of course, ended up discovering that the TARDIS is not there. Oh, snap. And, you know, of course, it also has Vicky in in it. Mm-hmm. But we actually... We pick up with Barbara first. She is space zombily walking toward this acid pool. Uh-huh. And right as she just about gets to the pool and just about walks into it, she starts hearing like the annoying giant ant beeping sound. Uh huh. And as soon as this beeping sound starts, she turns and walks around the pool instead of into it. Interesting. So, so the beeping actually saves her from whatever, you know, is controlling her that's kind of what it seems yeah i i had previously sort of assumed that somehow the beeping was was responsible for or at least somehow um involved with whatever was happening to her but or or you know maybe whoever was operating the remote controls was like oh dang i almost drove barbara into the acid (laughs) and it is she does we'll, we'll find out we'll find out she does have her arm like stretched out in front of her kind of space zombily the whole time, even when she, you know, veers around the pool of acid. Mm, interesting. So she, she seems to still be under some sort of control. Interesting. The doctor heads back from where the TARDIS used to be back to where Ian was trapped and it seems that what had trapped Ian was the entangle spell. <laughs> and now the caster has either lost concentration or a minute has passed because he's no longer trapped. The, the, the net or web is just completely gone and Ian's laying there on the ground. Hmm. Yeah, like with with how easily the cliff dangler was resolved for Barbara, I I, I think that's actually pretty cool because you know it, it leaves open the mystery of like what's controlling her and stuff and why she almost walked into the acid, why they they steered her around it. But with Ian, it's just like oh, it went away. <laughs> it's uh-huh. Maybe a little maybe a little <laughs> less uh, less compelling there. <laughs> yeah, the doctor actually asks about it. What happened to that weed? Hmm? I don't know. It just went. Went where? It just went into the air, the ground. Oh, what a cursed place this is. Yes, cursed place. <laughs> yeah, Ian, come on. <laughs> Provide some details here. <laughs> we're, trying to, we're trying to resolve a cliff dangler. <laughs> uh-huh. 
Ian's face is a little bit fucked up now, though. The doctor says it looks kind of blistered. In kind of a hot and sexy way, or just kind of like a gross and diseased way? <laughs> uh, more of the second, but there's only a, a, a bit of it. The, the makeup so artist didn't, didn't go overboard. Yet. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> uh-huh. Ian wants to go back to the TARDIS to get, you know, some kind of medical cream to put on his face or whatever. But, of course, the doctor starts nervously tugging at his shirt collar <laughs> as he tells Ian that the TARDIS is gone. Mm-hmm. Then the doctor clutches his chest and he reveals to Ian that the ADJs they're wearing only last about an hour before they're useless. Oh, dang. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hmm. Uh-huh. That's that's good to know, I suppose. <laughs> Ian asks if they can survive in this atmosphere, and the doctor's like, So they decide to, to take the ADJs off and just get used to it. Oh, oh. <laughs> not, not what I expected. I thought that the doctor was going to say something like, well, kind of. And Ian's like, you mean we kind of survive? You mean we only kind of die? And the doctor would be like, yes, that sounds fine. Right. <laughs> uh-huh. You certainly tell a difference, can't you? Hmm. Oh. Breathe slowly. Deeply. Like a diver. Hmm. You'd almost think that if the atmosphere was poisonous, you'd want to breathe shallowly, but what do I know? Yeah. I'll, I'll go I with think the doctor on this one. He's the space explorer. I think it's less... <laughs> I think it's less that it's poisonous and more just that it's very thin. Oh, okay, okay. See, shows shows what I know. I I, I try <laughs> to trust the doctor. <laughs> so as they get used to the atmosphere, the doctor notices some sort of ridge marks in the sand and decides that the TARDIS must have been dragged away. Hmm. That didn't really make sense to me because we definitely heard the dematerialization noise in the previous episode but i guess they're committing to this because the next thing that we <laughs> see is several shots of the tiny tartus moving along across the planet's surface as if it were being pushed or dragged by an invisible force <laughs> oh my gosh i love it i'm gonna have to yeah it was the, great shots like you know, at at first when the doctor said that it was, you know, the TARDIS was dragged away, I was like, uh, I don't know about that. But as soon as we saw the tiny top TARDIS getting dragged and pushed around, I was like, yes, those dragged away. Let's have more of this. Yes. <laughs> we, we don't even care whether it made the dematerialization noise or not. <laughs> we, uh-huh. we want more tiny top TARDIS being dragged along. Inside the TARDIS... Vicky is having a hard time keeping her balance as it gets dragged around. And, you know, she eventually kind of grabs onto the center console to to stabilize herself, basically. Mm. She's watching the scanner screen as all of this happens and, you know, seeing landscape move past. And but then the screen is filled with a close up of a giant ant head. <laughs> oh, good. I I still remember being very enthusiastic about your description of the ant costumes. Yeah, they're pretty great. We come back to Barbara, 
who is still space zombily walking across the planet surface. And we see that she's being watched by a giant moth. Yes. Yes, good. Give us all the giant insects. Uh-huh. Yeah, this moth was great. It's, you know, uh, it's an actor in a giant moth suit. Yes. <laughs> the suit has these thick horizontal stripes of, like, white or at least light-colored fur with these thick horizontal stripes of, like, shiny black, smooth black material in between. Amazing. And they have these big dark circles over their eyes. And, you know, they have like the same light hair and dark, smooth areas on their face and head. And then they've got these two antennae. And, of course, they've got giant translucent moth wings with, you know, dark veins throughout. Love it. So how yeah, much it was great. How much does this actually look like a moth though? Would you have known this was supposed to be a, a moth person if you hadn't read it like in the uh the description? Um yeah, it's <laughs> it's pretty mothy actually. Oh good. Yeah, they're cool. they're definitely pretty mothy. I feel like it's a win either way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they did seem to only have four appendages, which were the same four that humans have. Which, you know, I guess moths are insects and so they should have six, but mm. maybe they just had like a couple little ones that I didn't see or something. Yeah. They they hold their hands up in front of them, uh, almost as if they can't lower their arms like more than horizontal. <laughs> that costume's a bit tight. <laughs> <laughs> they do, you know, seem to at least be able to bend their elbows, which is unlike Barbara's space zombie arm. Hmm. Are you suggesting these moths might be uh, space zombified as well? Uh, this, they do not seem to be space zombified. No, yeah, <laughs> they just hold their arms weird. Gotcha. Uh, you will get to do an image search in a little bit when we learn what they're called. Is it the Zarbi? <laughs> no. Uh, well, spoiler, but no, they're not the Zarbi. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> so this giant moth creature that is watching and following Barbara gets in front of her and it grabs her by her space zombie arm and it kind of uses her space zombie arm to like spin her in a circle and then it leads her off in another direction still like by the space zombie arm excellent this seems like a fun game to play with your friends <laughs> uh-huh it it leads her over to a couple other giant moths who look at her kind of look at her hair interestedly as if you know they haven't seen hair before well barbara's hair is especially noteworthy <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh and then one of them takes the gold Emperor Nero bracelet off of her space zombie arm and throws it into a nearby acid pool. Oh, dang. B buddy, come on. <laughs> <laughs> but as soon as it's off of her arm, she kind of like grabs her head like she has a headache and then basically like comes to and de-space zombifies. 
Oh, interesting. It was the it was the gold. My bracelet. I, I would. Who are you? What do you want? Interesting. Yeah. Ian and the doctor, meanwhile, have been following the TARDIS drag marks on the ground. But now they've reached more solid ground and the tracks have disappeared, basically. As they check out the area, Ian gets distracted for a moment and steps on a giant insect larva. Oh. Which, it ends up being hollow. It's like a, a shell of oh, insect molted, basically. Okay, 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 I don't know if you want to be killing these guys' babies. Yeah. The Doctor thinks that the rock formations and the thing that Ian stepped on suggest that they're on the planet Vortis in the Isop galaxy. I'm into it. The planet Vortis in the Isop galaxy. Very cool. Uh-huh. But the thing is that the planet Vortis doesn't have any moons, and there are several moons here. Maybe those are giant eggs. <laughs> Ian's like, yeah, but, you know, planets can attract new moons, Doctor. And the Doctor's like, Oh, yes, 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 but it would need a galactic explosion, you know, some kind of new force. Whether this Vortis planet has that or not, I, I can't be sure. It's cool. Mm-hmm. We cut back to the TARDIS as it continues being dragged across the the planet surface and it's moving towards like an entrance to some kind of viney cave or something. And inside Vicky is still basically helpless. There's not much that she can do to, to do anything about it. She's not trying to like push buttons or anything on the console. Uh, not quite at this point, I think. Okay. She does, she does do some of that, but she kind of has to like, you know, get herself balanced first, I guess. Yeah. I'll admit she's the newest person in our party, so has had the least um, opportunity to watch the doctor operate the TARDIS, so I... (laughs) Yeah. I don't blame her for not wanting to just randomly start pushing buttons and pulling levers, but at the same time... If you put me in a TARDIS, I would probably start randomly pushing buttons and pulling <laughs> even if I'm not in any danger. <laughs> uh huh. I'd figure, like, yeah, they they wouldn't put the, this button here if it's dangerous to push, right? <laughs> <laughs> Only one way to find out. <laughs> we cut to Barbara, who is telling these giant moths about what she remembers, which is basically that Ian and the Doctor went out exploring and then the TARDIS door opened on its own and then she was here with the giant moths. Hmm. And are these giant moths talking to her or is she just sort of assuming that they can understand her? Uh, No, they're talking to her. It's a a conversation. Excellent. So one of them really wants to kill her. Oh, yikes. But (laughs) another one of them won't allow it. Cool. It it does sound like it is established in this dialogue that they are on the planet Vortis because one of them asks her, You chose ill when you chose to land on Vortis? Cool. Thank you for doing the voice. I was asking what their voices sounded like. <laughs> and they sound cool. 
Uh-huh. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. I hope the actual sound clip that y'all got was half as cool as the voice that Kyle just did. <laughs> <laughs> I just hope I'm remembering it right. Yeah, so so so, so one of the moths you said likes Barbara? Uh, it, I'm not sure that it likes her. It just doesn't want to kill her quite yet. Works for me. So are we calling this Mothbra or uh, <laughs> Barboth? <laughs> Barmoth? Yes. <laughs> I, I think I like Mothbra. Mothbra. Okay. Okay. Cool. <laughs> so you know, I, I hope Ian ends up with an ant, so that can be the ant ship. Ant. <laughs> <laughs> so this this moth asks her about you know why they decided to land here, and she's like, "Dude, I already told you we didn't choose shit. We were dragged here." Hmm. And this moth who doesn't want to kill her says that the Zarbi will kill her and her companions if they don't help them. Oh shit, not the Zarbi. And the one who does want to kill her is like, why should we give a shit? (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. During, During this discussion that follows... One of them refers to what the Monoptera are or are not willing to do. And, yes. and yes. that's what they're called, the Monoptera. The Monoptera. Hell yes. I can, I can sense uh, Google coming up. <laughs> Google image search. Kyle, Kyle, may I do a Google image search for Monoptera? You may indeed. All right. And it is a M-E-N-O-P... T-E-R-A. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Oh, their weird little people faces are so good. Uh-huh. Like, because, yeah, like like Kyle was saying, they do have, like, these dark eyes, but pretty much, oh, my gosh, listeners, you just have to, you just have to Google image search this, or or maybe we'll, we'll tweet an image or something, but... Uh, <laughs> Oh, this is this is the good stuff right here, y'all. Yeah, the Minoptera are great. And there's at least like three or four Minoptera costumes. The the costuming department actually, you know, made a few of them. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh well, you know, and I know that this comes out well into twenty twenty two, but when we're recording this, um we uh we just got done with the Halloween season and now I'm a little sad. <laughs> Not that I have the, the skill to put together a Monoptera costume or anything, but oh if I did, this oh, would man. be this would be a lot of fun. If if somebody came to my door on Halloween in a Monoptera costume, I would just like dump my entire candy bowl into their bag. Yes. I would I would ask them to wait while I go back and find more candy for them. <laughs> <laughs> So as they continue discussing whether or not they should kill Barbara, Barbara gets the opportunity to kind of like shove one of them to the ground and run away. I I don't fully blame her, to be honest. (laughs) Yeah. Moth people were debating whether or not to kill me. I'd probably try to book it. She is a person of action. Yes. So she runs out of the cave and out onto the surface of the planet. Survivors of London, 
the Daleks are the masters of Earth. Surrender now and you will live. Those wishing to surrender must leave a five-star review on iTunes and email the doctor's watcher at gmail.com or tweet at Dr. Watcher and obey orders received. Message ends. The doctor and Ian continue their search for the TARDIS until they notice some strange lights in the sky. Cool. At first, I thought that we were only going to see their reactions, but they actually did show us a shot of, like, the sky matte painting, which depicts, like, a night sky with, like, stars and, you know, a few moons and stuff. And then there's a light shining on the matte painting. <laughs> like someone's just sort of shining a flashlight on it. Uh-huh. Excellent. So, yeah, strange lights in the sky. <laughs> uh, I love Doctor Who sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> they look down into a valley and decide that it must be where the TARDIS was taken to. Uh, I'm not quite sure, like, specifically what they were seeing in the valley because the shot that they showed kind of just looked like most of the rest of the planet surface. But I guess they, they've decided... Well, maybe when you're dragging something, it's easier to drag it down downhill and leads down <laughs> that could into be. the valley. Uh-huh. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> so they start heading down toward the valley themselves to check it out and are quickly surrounded by giant ants. Cool. Ian wonders if they might somehow be able to communicate with them, but the doctor doesn't think so. Apart from rubbing our back legs together like some sort of grasshopper, I doubt if we can get on speaking terms with them. Stand still! Obey! These creatures on this planet are completely unknown to me. Just stand still and obey. Man, put down on a t-shirt. <laughs> stand still and obey. <laughs> uh-huh. Benny, you get the... Of course, the disadvantage of hearing me say the line right now instead of the doctor, but our listeners get the disadvantage of hearing the annoying beeping noise behind the doctor's voice <laughs> as he says it. I think I'm coming out ahead here. <laughs> of course, I'll hear it later when I listen to the actual like finalized episode, so we'll all suffer together, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> the giant ants start basically just like herding Ian and the Doctor in the direction that they want them to go in. Mm-hmm. And back at the TARDIS, Vicky is no longer having difficulty keeping her balance, but the scanner screen has now gone completely blank. Because the ant that was in the shot just got way too close to it, and she's like, back up, back up, I can't see you. <laughs> Your camera's on. <laughs> Don't know if you know this. <laughs> so a moment... A moment later, the TARDIS doors open, seemingly on their own again. Dang. She calls out for Ian or the Doctor or anyone and gets no answer. But, you know, after looking around for a sec and, you know, thinking about what to do, she rushes out of the TARDIS control room through the doors and finds herself in this 
sort of weird room where all the walls seem to be made out of like vines or roots or something. Cool. Very cool. Um, I know anytime the TARDIS doors open on their own or something, you know, seems to be controlling the TARDIS, it has this very eerie feeling to it because the TARDIS is supposed to be kind of impregnable. Like nothing's supposed to be able to get through those doors. Nothing's supposed to be able to mess with it. So anytime that something else seems to be controlling it, it's this feeling of like, oh no, this is my, my safe, you know, my safe haven, my head cue, um, where I'm <laughs> supposed to go to get away from danger and, and be safe from danger. Um, but now, now there's danger here as well. Oh no, nothing's safe. Um, right, it's a bit yeah. like in, uh, you know, like you're playing a video game and then the, the zone where you usually like select your next mission or relax between missions um, then becomes attacked at some point in this big twist. And you're like, Oh shit. Like I thought this was supposed to be safe. Um, right. I'm, yeah. I'm like if you're controlling my main character, now I'm the pilot of the ship for some reason <laughs> as, as I'm trying to, you know, just escape and, and all the places where I usually just hang out with my crew and shoot the shit are now full of bad guys that I have to avoid. It's, it's very kind of, mm very off-putting and and yeah kind of cool though it's like in the the original XCOM games i don't remember if the the more modern ones did this or not but in the original ones you know you have like half of the game is like base building and base management Mm -hmm. and in between that you're going out and doing missions and stuff but then if you progress far enough into the game the aliens come attack your base and you know, then you're doing like the turn-based strategy, tactical fighting in your base, and you're like, "Oh shit! I hope I hope my base design is good for this." <laughs> you you just you know been sticking stuff forever, <laughs> and now you're uh-huh. like, "Why? Why did I stick that that particular building next to the other one?" <laughs> yeah, I do think I think that the the expansion um, to to the the modern XCOM did that. Um can't really remember now. I don't think I ever got far enough in the expansion. No, I, I know I didn't, but I do think that was in the description of it. <laughs> <laughs> if if our listeners are wondering what I was referencing earlier, it was Mass Effect 2. <laughs> <laughs> so she starts to look around and as she looks around in this weird viney or root room, the beeping noise starts up again, and she shouts as two giant ants approach her. She's like, quit swearing. (laughs) Such potty mouths. My goodness. (laughs) I do want to make it clear that she shouts rather than screams, which is Ah, what Susan always did. uh, That is a very important distinction. The doctor and Ian arrive at the outside of some sort of viney or rooty building or something that, you know, looks like it could be the the thing that Vicky and the TARDIS are inside of. Yeah, yeah, viney or rooty. I mean, after all, what is a root but a vine in the ground, right? <laughs> Indeed. I'm, uh, I'm not a horticulturist. <laughs> <laughs> Look at this. <laughs> it's growing. Organic matter reproducing itself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Organic matter does that. <laughs> uh-huh. 
also y'all saw this happen to Ian, right? Like the like how you called it the entangled spell, and I think that's a pretty good um, visual. Yeah, like that's pretty much you know this this building thing is just like a giant, very carefully organized entangle spell. <laughs> the the DM was feeling very generous in terms of what they'd <laughs> allow. Uh huh. Where it's like, well, what if I cast it at a very high level? The doctor thinks that it could have taken a couple hundred years potentially for this organic matter to grow to the size of this building. Ian wonders if this is actually Vortus, what the doctor knows of its history, but the doctor finds a pretty good way to not say basically nothing. (laughs) He says... History doesn't mean anything when you travel through space and time. <laughs> I mean, you think it might? Hmm. Okay, I'll I'll take his word for it, but but uh-huh. I'm, I'm sort of looking at that that particular um, statement a little a little suspiciously. <laughs> you might think that history would actually mean more when you're traveling through time, I... but. I would think that, but hey, I've never traveled <laughs> through time, so. <laughs> uh huh. And with this, they get pushed by these giant ants through the doorway into the building. Cool. We cut to Vicky, who has calmed down because the giant ants approaching her didn't actually do anything. They've kind of like wandered away from her. And one of them kind of wanders through the open TARDIS doorway But then a moment later, it backs out of the TARDIS in what looks like confusion and horror. And it, like, spins around and its beeping noise gets all weird. It's like it's bigger on the inside. (laughs) (laughs) Y'all, come look at this. And... (laughs) After its beeping gets all weird, then this sort of annoying whooping noise starts. <laughs> uh, this must have been a fun one to watch, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> and we cut over to Ian and the doctor, and the annoying whooping noise continues, and it seems like it might be like the TARDIS car alarm. Because the doctor starts shouting about his ship. <laughs> Interesting. They, Ian and the doctor then arrive in the same room as Vicky and, and the TARDIS. And the doctor rushes over to the TARDIS. He's still shouting at the giant ants. None of y'all better be skateboarding near my TARDIS. <laughs> <laughs> and Ian, Ian heads over to check on Vicky, make sure she's okay. Thank you, Ian. <laughs> <laughs> He asks her where Barbara is, but of course she doesn't know because she was asleep when Barbara space zombied out of there. Mm -hmm. We, of course, cut to Barbara, who is just kind of like wandering around on the planet's surface until the beeping noise starts and she gets captured by a couple of giant ants. Dang it. (laughs) Well, I guess we can maybe reunite the party now, so there's that, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. We cut over to the three giant moths who are gathered around 
this like crystalline structure that's a couple of feet high. And one of them, whose name we learn is Vrestin. Very cool. Vrestin. <laughs> I uh, dig it. Vrestin wants to call the Monoptera invasion force to warn them about the power of the Animus and the strength of the Larva Gun. <laughs> the Larva Gun? Oh my god. This is the best episode <laughs> ever, Kyle. Uh-huh. I'm pretty sure that the Larva Gun is the name for, like, the wood lice that, like, sparks and smokes. And then, you know, you get knocked down or whatever. Because <laughs> I was thinking, like, is the Larva Gun a gun that shoots larva? Is it a larva that shoots things? Is it a larva that shoots other smaller larva? I feel like these are all winning combinations. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. And sparking and smoking so, and making people fall down, also a winner. <laughs> so yeah, Vreston wants to warn the Monoptera invasion force about the larva gun and the power of the Animus, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. But another one of the Monoptera in this group is concerned that if they break communicator silence, the Zarbi will find them. <laughs> yeah, don't want that. Vreston decides to go ahead and call anyway, so they reach down to the crystal, which it turns out is actually like three different pieces of crystal, and they sort of like turn and rotate the different crystal parts and then start start calling. <laughs> Pilot party to Menoptera invasion force. This is Verestin. Urgent report. Urgent report. Very cool. It's not so urgent that you would actually speak with any sense of urgency or, or speed even, <laughs> but I guess uh -huh. when you're, you're a Monoptera, then uh, you just do things at Monoptera pace. <laughs> it seems that they're not getting through, though. Hmm. Vreston wants to try again outside in case the cave they're in is blocking the signal, but... The one whose name we learn is Hrostar thinks that that's a bad idea. Man, if y'all have been, you know, listeners, if you've, if you've been trying to come up with names for your D&D &D characters or any sort of original character, I think, uh, I think using a Monoptera <laughs> name generator or just swiping some <laughs> of these um, is always a good idea Uh huh. because they're amazing. And the third one, I don't think we know the third one's name at this point, Dang but the it. third one has been <laughs> standing guard and they start shouting about, about approaching Zarbi. Hmm. Outside, Barbara is a space zombie leading some giant ants to the cave with the Monoptera in it. And it turns out that the giant ants are the Zarbi. Ah, I'll bet, I'll bet we at least suspected that, right, Kyle? <laughs> I mean, I was also wondering, are there already something else that's controlling the ants? But I guess this keeps things more straightforward. Yeah, for sure. Also, come on, Zarbi is such a good name for anything, and giant ants rule, so calling giant ants the Zarbi, I'd say, is a pretty cool idea. 
I suppose you could do an image search for Zarbi, but they basically are just straight up giant ants. Yeah, also when I was looking at the Monoptera, there were some pictures with uh, Zarbi in them, and so I uh, have seen the Zarbi as well. <laughs> <laughs> so they arrive at the cave, and Frostar, Vrestin, and the other Monoptera rush to try to break the communication crystal before the Zarbi can can take it or whatever and get away. Cool. Uh, a giant woodlice rolls up and makes a sci-fi gun noise and then sparks flash and smoke comes out and the Monoptera, who's not Rostar or Vrestin, screams and falls to the ground and i guess now we know why we didn't get a name for that one (laughs) (laughs) vreston manages to escape out the back barbara enters the room and we see that there's this big device over her shoulders it's sort of like a a big u-shaped thing Uh, it's kind of like u-shaped and kind of like uh wishbone shaped cool Uh, but the the prongs at the end of the u are like bent into hooks and those hooks are like over her shoulders interesting and yeah then down at the bottom of the u there's sort of a handle so i guess maybe it's more like a y than a u except that it's like you know the upper part is curvy instead of pointy Gotcha. I think I can kind of picture something, and um, we'll just assume that's pretty close to what it actually looks like. <laughs> uh huh. Rostar takes this thing off of her shoulders, and as soon as it's removed, she de spaces zombifies. Cool. Thanks, Rostar. She asks, yeah, she asks how she got back here, and Rostar explains, You. Well, mortalized. Look. Amazing. <laughs> and yeah, apparently this device, the you know, this Y or U-shaped device is made of gold, and gold somehow allows the Zarbi to morphetize creatures. Nice. Even the Monoptera. Uh, bummer for the Monoptera, mm-hmm. especially the ones who like to get dressed up. <laughs> and yeah, so that is why her Emperor Nero bracelet was space zombifying her, it's because it was gold. Mm-hmm. It allowed them to control her. Makes sense. Rustar explains that they'll probably be taken by the Zarbi to the Crater of Needles and put to work. Crater of Needles? Oh my gosh. This is, this is such a good episode, Kyle. <laughs> yeah. Once there, you might well wish that you had not been spared. Oh, dark. And yet vague enough to still be appropriate for kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then a couple of of giant ants that we now know are called Zarbi show up, and they start shoving Hrostar around as Barbara looks on and then looks away in horror. Dang. 
So Crosstar was the one that wanted to kill her, right? I believe so, yeah. And Vreston was the one that wanted to not kill her quite yet. Cool, cool. So, I mean, R.I.P. Crosstar, but uh, if if something bad happens to him, I guess it's not as bad as if it happened to Vreston. Yeah. Then our Barboth ship can continue. <laughs> Bar- Barmoth? I think I think you just you decided it was Barmoth. Yes. Uh, uh, Mothbra. Was it Mothbra? All right. Well, whatever we decided on, uh, these are all good. So there's there's really yeah. no bad bad option here. We cut to the doctor who is now standing next to the TARDIS, and he's trying to communicate with the Zarbi via hand gesture. And the message that he's trying to communicate is very clearly something along the lines of. What the fuck? Why did you take my fucking ship, you fucking thieves? Fuck off and let us G the fuck O. I know those hand gestures. I know about half of them. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same one. But the Zarbi, the Zarbi just aren't getting it. Ah, <laughs> oh, the doctor's not getting through to them. After a few moments of this, the Zarbi kind of shoved the doctor into a certain spot in the room. And this transparent plastic tube covered in like paintings of vines or roots or whatever comes down from above and sort of like comes down around the doctor's head. And we hear a new voice say, why do you come now? So when you say that the tube is covered with paintings of vines and stuff, are you actually saying that this tube is made of vines? <laughs> <laughs> I was legitimately not clear whether it was supposed to be made of vines okay. or if it's plastic. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so he hears this voice and then the words next episode escape to danger appear on screen. Oh, man. Oh, man, what a good name. Because you think, you know, escape is good, but it gets you away from danger. But if you escape to danger, oh, no, (laughs) that's not what you meant to do. (laughs) That's not what you meant to do at all. Uh Um, Kyle, I think we can agree that was a a good episode of Doctor Who. (laughs) That's what we sign on for. You know, that's what we come here for every, every couple of weeks. When it comes to Doctor Who, um, sometimes we're like, you know, oh, this this writer um, looking at you, Terry Nation, and also, you know, looking at you, um, oh, what was his name? Something Spooner. Um, oh, Dennis. Dennis. Yeah. Looking at you, Dennis Spooner. Looking at you, Terry Nation. Missed the memo about this being a kid's show. But I think I think whoever <laughs> wrote this one, I can't remember the name, but I think whoever it was, was pretty much on board with this being a kid's show. <laughs> yeah. Just one yeah, look at I that. With that. One look at the costumes um, for the uh, Monoptera. Uh, this was a... Bill Strutton. Bill Strutton, yep. 
Yeah, I I think Bill definitely did get the memo about <laughs> this being a kid show. Excellent, excellent, man. I just I love the names of the various planets and galaxy and the species and the is it the larva gun? Yeah, yeah. You can't go wrong with a larva gun and a crater of needles. Crater of needles. My gosh. Yep. This is good stuff. This is good stuff. Well, well, uh, yeah, should we find out what happens next? Indeed. All right. See you in two weeks, listeners. Bye. Come back to find out the danger that they escape to. Indeed. Bye. Hi, Benny here. The Doctor's Watcher would like to thank Circuit23 for the awesome theme song he created for us. You can find his music, including our theme, at soundcloud.com slash circuit23. And you can reach him at circuit.23, that's circuit.23, at gmail.com. Thanks to Kyle for talking to me about Doctor Who, and thanks to all of you for listening to me listening to Kyle talk about Doctor Who. We'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com or on Twitter at doctorwatcher. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you review your podcasts. Join us next time on The Doctor's Watcher. What happened to that weed? Hmm? I smoke it up.